If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, welcome to August. If you live around where I live, you're probably so very hot still, but I can't help it. I love August. Here's why I love August. It feels like we're turning the corner and I I love the fall so much because the fall brings back to school, which I kind of have a thing for back to school and it brings football. I love football and I just love so much about the fall. Now I know it's still technically summer and it's still hot, 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 but it does feel like we turned a corner. You guys, we have a great show today. In fact, my friend, Dr. Russell Moore, is back on the show today. Last time he was here was in January of 2022. I did a show with him and Beth Moore, and we talked a lot about leaving and staying. Both of them had made decisions around that time to leave uh, the denomination that they'd been in for years, the Southern Baptist Convention, and so we had a conversation about that. Well, Dr. Moore is back because he released a book last week called Losing Our Religion, An Altar Call for Evangelical America. Now, I get a lot of books early, which is just a fun perk of my job, and so I've been diving into this, but this book was also our July book club, and so we started a book club this summer. It's a lot of fun. You should definitely check it out. Go to jamieivy.com slash Patreon, or we'll put it in the show notes. You can just go down there and click. It's a subscription page, but here's what you're getting with your subscription. You're getting a book early before it releases. So this book, Losing Our Religion, did not release until the end of July, but all of my happy hour friends, all of the book club friends over there got it July 1st. And so you get a digital download of the book. And in fact, P.S., these people got hard copies of this book, which is so great. But you get a digital download, and then we do an exclusive interview that is just for book club members plus the author and myself. So you can submit questions, you can ask, you can have conversations, all the things. So we got to read this book early. So I can't wait for you to find out what our August book club is. Go over to the page, jamieivy.com slash Patreon. You'll see all the information there, and I'd love to have you a part of it. You guys, this book that Dr. Moore just released, I think is an important read. As an evangelical Christian living here in America, there have been a lot of difficult things that we've had to reconcile with. And this book tackles five different subjects 
losing our credibility, losing our authority, losing our identity, losing our integrity, losing our stability. And with every chapter that I read and every page, I actually told Dr. Moore this in the interview, so many times I would I would look up from what I was reading and I would think, wow, I cannot believe that Dr. Moore just said that. He just lays it all out there. It's really good. Because you're listening to this podcast, I assume that you like podcasts. So I want to tell you about two podcasts that you might want to listen to if you enjoy my conversation today with Russell. First of all, The Russell Moore Show is a podcast by Russell Moore, obviously, and he has great guests on there, and sometimes he'll just answer your Q&A questions. I really love that podcast. But the one I want to tell you about for sure is a podcast that Christianity Today puts out, and Russell is the editor-in-chief there. It's called The Bulletin. I listen to it every single week. I never miss it. It's a podcast for Christians seeking insights into the events, questions, and people that are shaping the world. All right, you guys, without... Any further announcements about podcasts I think you should listen to or books I think you should read? Here's my conversation with Russell Moore. Dr. Moore, welcome back to the happy hour. Oh, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a joy to have you. The last time you were here uh, was January of 2022. And we talked about when to leave, when to stay. And here we are, August of 2023, <laughs> and it feels like a lot of life has happened since January of 2022. A lot of life has happened since January 2022. I mean, well, it, don't, don't you feel like the last uh, few years, uh, maybe pandemic uh, on, each year just feels like so much has happened that it feels, <laughs> it's it feels, hard to I was it. looking back and when you were on the time before that was in July of 2020. And that's when I had just started having men on the happy hour because I used to only have women. And I brought men on to talk about their last decade. And so you came on oh, in yeah. July of 2020 to talk about your last decade. And I was thinking today, I made myself giggle because I thought, well, it feels like we've lived another decade yes, since July of 2020. <laughs> yes. And I thought, this is the craziest thing ever. Um, but I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell everyone what you're doing now because you are no longer where you were before when I talked to you work-wise. Yeah. I'm uh, editor-in-chief at Christianity Today um, and have been have been there for a little while now, maybe a year. I guess. Okay. Congrats. Thank you. Um, I now have followed all of you over to Christian today. I'm a, I'm a podcast listener. I'm a magazine subscriber. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. I know. I know. Well, I want to talk to you today. You're so grateful to also let your book be my July book club in the happy hour book club. So we've been reading that early by the time this show comes out, Everyone will be able to have the copy of the book, but your book, Losing Our Religion, An Altar Call for Evangelical America. I want to first let you know, I am about halfway through chapter four and people might be listening and think, oh, you haven't gotten that far in. Well, let me let you know, there's only five chapters Mm -hmm. and each of them are a lot of words. And so I am a little (laughs) over halfway and I'm going to tell you, Russell, I so many times have read something in this book and literally looked out and said to nobody in particular, Wow, Russell just went there. Like I have said that <laughs> so many times. Like literally, I went, okay. So we, so we're doing this now. So we're doing this. Yeah, Maria said when she was she was sort of reading uh, sections along as I was writing it, and she would say, "Now I just want to make sure you're intentionally planning to say." This. <laughs> I thought, man, if he hadn't been chased around and out of all kinds of towns, this would have put this would have put you put yeah. you out. Um, but I, I, I say that 
all joking aside, with a lot of like respect um, for the pro- for the words that you've put down here, because so many of us have been feeling them over the last couple of years and haven't been able to not knowing how to say them. So I want to start from the beginning. An altar call for evangelical America. Now, I want to make sure that no one on this call on this uh, podcast is confused. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a real big chance that people can be confused about the word evangelical mm-hmm. uh, for lots of reasons. And so I want to start at a basic understanding of what does that actually mean? Like, what does it literally mean? Not what it's been used for. What does it mean to be an evangelical Christian? It's an emphasis on the personal. Uh, and so what what evangelicalism typically has meant is uh, an emphasis on the fact that people come before God, not group by group or family by family or even church by church, but person by person through new birth mm-hmm. and an understanding of the personal uh, nature of Scripture, that, that Scripture speaks to you and, and to me with authority. Uh, so it's it's that uh, I, I think really at, at the sum of it all is reminding the rest of the church, hey, it's not enough to be uh, right in your doctrine. It's not enough to be busy with your mission. You must be born again. I think that's yeah. the that's the key of it. Now the reason that it's so a lot of people don't um, don't want to use the word, and I understand that because I don't want to use the word the way that it's become defined, but I haven't found a good, um, I haven't found a good alternative to it. So do you still use the word? Would you Uh, say like I'm an evangelical? Yeah, but, but I always go through and define it. Um, and, and to say, this is what I mean, and this is what I don't mean. Mm -hmm. And that's, I I had, um, Tim Keller, uh, who recently passed, uh, was with me at a class I taught at, uh, university of Chicago in 21. And these were all completely secular students. They didn't have any religious background at all. And one of them asked Tim, why do you even use the word evangelical when it's become so politicized and crazy? And I will never forget what he said. He said, because most of us are in Asia and Africa and Latin America, and the North Americans don't get to just choose what we're called. So good. (laughs) The student said, Fair enough. Okay, there you go. There you go. Which (laughs) is such a good reminder to me, even over the last couple of years, the way that the word has been trampled on and abused. And I I think it's been used for power moves for other people. Um, I remind myself often that this North American church is not the the entirety of the of the Church of Jesus Christ on this world. Like it is so much larger than us. Um, Okay, thank you for that clarification. And I sometimes wonder, like. I still would call myself an evangelical and say those things, but it feels like sometimes Russell is like, I want to like maybe sometimes use it and sometimes not use it. Like, who am I talking to or who am I around or what's going on? Yeah. 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 I I mean, but that's true really with almost anything um, because depending on the context, what somebody's hearing uh, so, I mean, think about the word fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, in almost no circumstance, call myself a fundamentalist, except if somebody's using it the way that it was used uh, long ago to mean somebody who really believes in the fundamental doctrines of the faith and believes Jesus was right. you know, raised from the dead and those sorts of things. Then I would say, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay, a- yeah. I fall into that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been um, a hard journey, and you talk about this so much in your book about just how um, 
this word has been trampled on a lot. I would love for you to like encourage even our listeners as we're thinking through like, okay, I would say that most of our listeners would fall into that category. Like these are the things we believe about Jesus. These are the things we believe about scripture. But how do we, and maybe this is like a, we could talk about this for till we go meet Jesus, but how are you even, or how can we portray ourselves as the right type of evangelical in the midst of people misunderstanding the word? That, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. I, I think though that the word is not all that important because most people don't use the word anyway when mm-hmm. they're thinking about this is who I am in right. Christ. It's a mm-hmm. it's a way of saying, okay, I'm this kind of Christian. Um, I'm not a Roman Catholic Christian. I'm not an Eastern Orthodox Christian. I'm a I'm an evangelical Christian, mm-hmm. and it's it's sort of shorthand. So I wouldn't worry so much about the word. I, what I would worry about is I think there's a tendency for us, and I, I say us because I'm including myself in this. This was something that I had to look in look look in the face and walk away from. There's a tendency to overreact to the last bad thing in a way that says, whatever it was that has gone crazy, the answer must be the complete opposite of that. And in almost every case, uh, when people do that, no matter what it is they're reacting to, they end up just sort of a mirror image uh, Mm -hmm. of what they were, and they're in the same problem. Mm -hmm. So I think there are a lot of people who would say, uh, I'm looking around at all the insanity and everything else, and that that's going to that's going to color what I think about Jesus, and uh, and that's one of the reasons why it's so important is that does happen to people, and so we ought to understand that. But I would just say to somebody who's grappling with this, maybe in a bad church situation or something like that, is is to say, wait, don't just react. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask yourself whether or not. Um, whether or not what you're seeing, there's a there's a depth and a rootedness that goes beyond this present moment. Net credit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. I mentioned you have five chapters in here, losing our credibility, losing our authority, losing our identity, losing our integrity, and losing our stability. I'm going to jump into one right here, losing our identity. Um, I was really struck by something. I think this comes off the conversation we just had about the word evangelical, even about how so many people can 
use that word, but you don't see their actions lining up with what we see Jesus teaching in scriptures. And so that's where it gets a little uncomfortable for me, obviously. Yeah. You write in here about losing our identity and you tell where the man who murdered majority African-Americans in the Buffalo, New York shooting at the shopping center, which I just listened to a great podcast um, about that on, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name now, but they interviewed people who live in that community. And it talks about what are the lives look like after a a massacre like that? Really, really Mm -hmm. good. I'll put it in the show notes, you guys. But you say this about this man. That he said this when addressing whether he is a Christian, the killer said that he was not by the definition of believing by faith for salvation or of confessing sins to God or believing there to be an afterlife. He's not believing all these things that we believe as a Christian, but he did write. He said, though, I do have Christian values, which is this is what he describes himself as having defined as Western civilization and white identity to whatever followers he might have. The killer wrote that they don't need to have a personal relationship with God or Jesus to fight for our Christian cultural heritage. And I read that and it stopped in my tracks because although this is an extreme example with this man who um, did something very extreme because of what he believes, I see this to be a very common thinking in, in our country per se. We'll talk mostly about North American Christians here. I see this to be a very common thing of like, well, I have Christian values because I'm an American. Right. How right. Talk about that for a little bit. Well, it's, it's the same phenomenon. I mean, you can see it. Um, overseas a lot with, uh, say, Vladimir Putin, Mm -hmm. who is uh, using the Russian Orthodox Church in order to say, what I'm doing, if you're opposing me, you're not just opposing me, you're opposing God. So there's a lot of power that can come by co-opting a religion. And that's especially true when what you're really talking about is a culture or a political tribe or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of power that comes uh, over people with that. And I mean, we've seen that too in a lot of the authoritarian church uh, situations mm-hmm. that we've seen. I mean, yeah. a, a pastor can get total control by just saying, God God told me this. And mm-hmm. if you're not on board with what we're doing, you're not on board with with God. Yeah. And so there's a there's a sense where I think that's one of the things that I... I came to see that I really didn't want to see over the last several years is that I always assumed that for most people, uh, most evangelical Christians and, and a lot of them I knew, that the issue was the Bible and these culture war kinds of debates and disputes were, were just sort of um, coming out of that, uh, that they're trying to apply that. And what I've come to see is that for a lot of people, the, the culture war uh, arguments were actually the point mm. and the doctrines were the way to get to that. That's scary. And that's scary. And it, um, and, and it can shake uh, people uh, mm-hmm. when they see it. Mm-hmm. You talk about with, you know, there's conversations a lot about Christian nationalism and I think there's even has, but I know there's a recent release of someone, you know, talking about how we need to have Christian nationalism and like it is, it is something that we should, should be a part of. And, you talk about Christian nationalism as a use of Christian words, symbols, or rituals as a means to the end of shoring up an ethnic or national identity. And I'd love to hear from you, like, what is the, what's the danger in this? Because I think for a lot of people, if you don't really sink your teeth into it and think about it, you can be like, oh, like, it's not that big of a deal. We just want everyone to make good moral choices. And we want to live in a country that, you know, was founded by our forefathers who had Christian ideals. But where does the danger come in of Christian nationalism? 
Well, the the danger comes in in, in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the danger that comes to uh, democracy or to the public square comes in with what we just talked about that that sense of you're you're using kind of the ultimate uh, authority of mm-hmm. Jesus in order to to do what you uh, want to do. The the danger for the church, and I don't think it's just a danger for the church; it's a danger for people's uh, souls. Is that this is actually an alternative to Christianity? Okay, so it's not just mm-hmm. uh, oh, this is Christianity, but it's it's maybe um, you know amped up to the highest volume. Uh, it, it, it's extreme Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's not what it is. It's something completely different and actually opposite from mm-hmm. biblical Christianity, which which teaches again you you. Must be born again, Indivi- you, like as individual a, as an individual, as a person. Yeah, and so what's happening is Christian nationalism assumes that external conformity is uh, is what makes a, a person Christian, uh, mm-hmm. civilizational sense. Mm-hmm. That's even worse than outright paganism, because it's worse when you have somebody who is uh, alienated from God thinks Mm -hmm. that what they're responding to is Jesus. Mm. That's a really dangerous place to be. It's a really dangerous place. And, you know, I think one of the ways that shook up a lot of people was January 6th, the insurrection, when we saw what happened on our Capitol and people proclaiming the name of Jesus, praying in um, Christian flags and right alongside, you know, Confederate flags as well. And I think for a lot of people, there was this kind of wake up moment of like, wait, what is just happening? Because this feels really, really dirty. But that, but that they're doing what you're saying they're doing of conforming to certain kinds of values or whatever they might think to think that they're Christian, they're living the Christian life. Yeah, and, not. and and one of the dangerous things about that, I mean, you think about January 6th, is the the more that that sort of thing happens, the more numb people get to it. Yeah. And the more normal uh, it seems. Uh, and that's I mean, a scary you, thing, when, too. When you think about uh, a mob of people attacking the United States Capitol with weapons to shut down uh, a constitutional process, I mean, that that, that would be incomprehensible just right. a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because we're in a time where so many of these things, it's just one right after the other, right after the other, you start to get this sense of, oh, well, that's just the way the world is. It's our I mean, new I, norm. I, yeah. I think about with my mom, who was a, a first and second grade teacher, and it, she stopped doing show and tell um, with her students early on because she would have students that would get up and what they would tell about was, you know, grandma getting drunk and firing the gun off, <laughs> things like that. But it was because that was all those kids knew. Mm-hmm. And they assumed that that was just normal. And that's mm-hmm. the sort of thing that you you talk about. And one of the things that she knew and any good teacher knows is that the way that you, the way that you get somebody out of that is that they start to see I'm in an abnormal situation. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is not the way. This is it's not how it's supposed to be. to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
uh, this morning I recorded the relevant podcast and we talked about a study that recently came out that said 32% of Americans would trust the institution of the church. And so I think it's down a little bit. And uh, we asked, that was in number fifth, uh, the the highest, they also trusted uh, military and police more than the church, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, you're right in here about people are leaving, not because they don't believe the church teach what the church is teaching. They could say, I believe everything that the church is teaching, but they're leaving, you say in here, because they don't believe that the church believes the things that it is teaching. And I think that we've seen that a lot with our younger generation in the past eight, 10 years of going, wait, I'm kind of confused here because you guys that raised me, my teachers, my pastors, my leaders, my my parents, my guardians, you've always said these things, but now it feels like you don't really believe these things anymore. What is it that you're seeing that even with politics and what we've seen in the last couple of years, even talking more about Christian nationalism, how is that affecting the way people are leaving our churches? Well, I, I think that's exactly right, that you have um, you have this sense of uh, it's it's really what it boils down to is asking, is Christianity just a means to an end for you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and if it is, just tell me what the end is. Uh, and, and so, I mean, you saw that with a lot of um, churches on the far left for a long time mm-hmm. in American life, where uh, it, it became really clear to people that what really mattered, um, you know, the, the Easter sermon on the resurrection is a metaphor for recycling or, mm-hmm. or, or what have you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If people eventually say, well, just tell me to recycle and yeah. I don't have to give up Why do we have to go morning. through all this? Right. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the question is, is, are you really trying to do something else? And I think that that's what, that's what ties together the politicization that we've seen with this, uh, with all these scandals, um, that, that have happened. I mean, there've always been scandals in the church, have always been Christian leaders who have, uh, have fallen. Almost everybody who grew up in a church knew somebody they respected who turned out to be something different than what they thought. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the point where people start to say, wait, is this all it is? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and has that been actually what this was about all the time? Mm-hmm. Then that, and I mean, I wrote about the book. I get that because I lived through it as a 15 year old. Mm-hmm. And I was asking those same questions when I was looking around and saying, is 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 really mm-hmm. is Christianity just about getting somebody to be a good Mississippian and a Republican? Mm-hmm. Because if so, just say that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, and 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 say what it is you're actually trying to get at. And a lot of people are asking that, or is Christianity just about uh, sort of uh, uh, marketing to me and and having me as a as a consumer base. I mean, there are all mm-hmm. sorts of ways that Christianity is used as a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And when people start to see that, they start to question, well, is there anything real at all? Yeah. And then you add to it what you just mentioned, which is almost every institution in American life is in a crisis right now mm-hmm. and, a, and a, a crisis of credibility mm-hmm. for, for all sorts of reasons. I mean, even, even things that we would have thought several years ago, everybody would mm-hmm. trust and revere yeah. Boy Scouts, you know, those sorts yep. of things. They're, yeah. in, they're in crisis. So when you add that and you have people who are mm-hmm. so lonely, so disconnected, 
um, that they need institutional structure and community, but those institutions are failing. That leads to a really, really difficult place. It leads to a really difficult place where a lot of people start to feel like, I don't know where my home is. You yeah. know, I, don't, I don't know what feels like home anymore. And, and you write about that in your book. And I know you've walked through that journey as well. And in the chapter of losing our identity, one of the things that you talk about is to make peace with homelessness and yeah. to make peace with not having that place. And I, and I, it's not a flippant thing because it's easy for you to write it, but to live it out is one other thing. You know, I know that yeah. you're talking here about a lot of pastors or leaders feel torn as to if I say something, then I'm going to be called a Marxist. If I say nothing, then am I complicit to what's going on? And I feel like you've kind of made this third path and I don't think it's been easy. I think it's been really hard and cost you a lot, but how do we continue down that? How do we continue that third path knowing that a lot of my listeners aren't pastors and leaders, but they Mm -hmm. are like leading their families and leading their friends and we're all leading people. Um, How do you keep how are you okay with that homelessness when you have felt at home for so long? Does that make sense? Like you felt at yeah. home and then yeah. all of a sudden you, you got kicked out. Right. And, and you know what I mean? Or maybe you chose to leave. I don't know. But that homelessness that I think we're all grappling with, how do we, how do we find peace with that? Uh, well, I, if, you, if you notice the way that, I mean, look at, for instance, Hebrews 11 and the way that it talks about what faith is. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham got up and went not knowing where he was going. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that is this sense of um, I'm, I'm not quite at home and I'm, I'm kind of in between categories or, or mm-hmm. not defined by those categories. That ought to be the normal default of right. the Christian life. You, mm-hmm. w- we ought not to be fully at home mm-hmm. uh, in any place. And that's certainly true in a time when um, when a lot of things that are meant to be tools become uh, a source of people's identity. Like what do you mean? Like what? Like uh, politics. Uh, mm-hmm. po- politics is meant to be a way for us to live together in yep. the civic space and to, mm-hmm. and to get things done. And now we're at a time where it's, it's not about that. It's about saying who are the good people and who are the bad people and, and where do I fit? Mm-hmm. And so that, that's one of the reasons why you don't have, uh, you have so few people who would actually say, okay, I agree with my political party, whatever that is, on these things, but I actually agree with the other political party on these other things. Uh, that, that almost never happens. And why? Because politics has become a tribal marker. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why uh, once, the, once the demand for what it takes to stay in the tribe changes, and it changes all the time, mm-hmm. uh, you have to change with it yep. or else you feel like you're being booted out. Mm-hmm. If you have a sense of yourself in Christ and you have a sense of, uh, I'm, I'm always going to be a little bit homeless. Uh, to varying degrees, then you're not panicked when you start to feel that way. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit, credit to the people. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. 
when the truth is... I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say... Hang it in there. Because... If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. We had the pandemic. We had George Floyd murders, which opened up a lot of doors for um, people's eyes being open for racial injustice. It's been around forever, but noticing it. A lot happened with COVID, and then we had the political election. I mean, it's just been a lot going on. Yeah. And um, a lot of people, you talk about this a little bit here about spiritual warfare, and all people are like, oh my gosh, spiritual warfare, we're getting attacked as Christians. You know, the, mm-hmm. the lefts are coming to get us. And I, I do believe in spiritual warfare, and I think it is real and present and all the things. Um, but I find myself asking myself a lot, and I talk to Aaron about this all the time of like, is it, I don't, I don't want to start rambling here because this is where I can start rambling. Is it too easy to be a Christian in America? It, it, and what I mean by that, I talked about this with David Platt when he was on. I feel like it should be harder, Russell. Like it just feels, and it, maybe it's the conversation we've all been having about how even this guy who went in and murdered so many African-Americans could say, I have Christian values. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I find myself wondering, do we as believers, do we know what it really feels like to be a follower of Jesus and lay down our identities of everything else? And I'm asking myself, I'm pointing the finger right back at Jamie. And I just wonder if there's going to be a little bit of awakening and shifting in America, that's going to be actually really good. I, I think there is in, in this sense. Um, I would have said 10 years ago and, and did say 10 years ago that cultural Christianity is going away. And that's a good thing because what it leaves in its wake is an authentic mm-hmm. Christianity because you don't have, uh, you don't have to, I mean, there was a time in at least a lot of parts of the country where you had to be a member of a church unless you were just willing to be a complete oddball. Right. Especially but, in the South. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the South. If, if you're, if you're, um, you know, I had somebody who was working for, uh, he was working for Walmart uh, Corporation and was from the Pacific Northwest and then was in Washington, D.C. and moved to Bentonville. <laughs> Welcome. He said, yeah. He said, I didn't even, I, I didn't have a category for the fact that everybody, their first question they asked me is, have you found a church home? Uh-huh. He said, that was just completely foreign to me. Yeah. Well, that was part of a lot of uh, Bible Belt culture. Um, that is going away. But what I didn't count on 10 years ago is that you would have another kind of cultural Christianity that would come in to replace it. And it's one that doesn't, um, doesn't, doesn't join a church necessarily, mm. maybe not even affiliated with a church at all, uh, but defines Christian as posting memes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has, mm-hmm. has really uh, come in. And so you have people who are starting to say, uh, I mean, just the question you asked earlier about evangelical, you can look at a lot of these surveys and what they'll show you is that people who, uh, if you go through and you, you actually look at them in terms of doctrine and practice mm-hmm. are evangelical, are the most likely people to say, I don't want to use that word. Right. And the people who are saying, well, I'm, I'm on board with the culture war rhetoric. So that means I must be an evangelical, mm-hmm. whether or not I've ever 
yeah. uh, been in church or anything like that. That that has that is really different, and in in some ways, it's worse than the old uh, cultural Christianity because you have all of the certainty and um, combativeness and all of that, but without the actual community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's changing. But I do think that there is a moment here uh, where people, people who actually want to follow Jesus are starting to find each other. Uh, because everything's being so shaken mm-hmm. that uh, a, the, a lot of this sense of homelessness and uh, bewilderment and, and so forth is really good. Mm-hmm. A- and I think part of it is it has to get us to the point where we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That's everywhere in Scripture. Mm-hmm. That is where God works, is when you get to the point where you say, I don't know where I'm going, but my eyes are on you. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 where it leads you. Mm-hmm. And I remember this with a a guy that I knew, a friend of mine who had lost his job. And you know, we were talking, and he was going through saying, "I think if God were talking to me, He would say this, and I think God would say that." And I said, "Maybe, maybe God would not be saying anything at all to you right mm-hmm. now, because that's." That's where, I mean, if we, if we all kind of look back on our lives, that's where God's been the most at work or in those moments where we didn't have a roadmap, we mm-hmm. didn't have uh, a, a plan for the mm-hmm. way forward. Yeah. And we just said, God, I don't know what yeah. to do. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a sign of grace. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I see that happening more and more right now. I'm happy that you see that. Um, it was I went to Boston earlier this year, and I was with some believers, and they were saying, up here, if you're a Christian, like you're a Christian, like there, there's yeah. no like halfway Christian, like there's not many of us and you're a Christian, you're a Christian. I want to read something from your book, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in this losing our identity chapter and it's about um, homelessness. You say the point of exile language is exactly the opposite of the idea that Western Christians should lament or resent losing a Christian culture. The point is that in every place and every culture, from the first to the second comings of Jesus, every Christian community are to be strangers and exiles. If we can look backward and find some time when we were not so, it's because we are accommodated to idolatry, just of a previous Nebuchadnezzar, rather than the one in front of us in the moment. And if we can look forward to a time when we can displace the sense of marginalization and find a cultural home in the span of history as we know it, then that too is because we are accommodated to idolatry just that of a future, Nebuchadnezzar. If exile language is used to bemoan or darkening or growingly hostile culture, rather than to see our situation as fundamentally the same as every other era before us, then we don't understand what the Bible means by exile. Exile language does away with both a sense of entitlement and a siege mentality. We don't look to merge into whatever seems normal around us, and we don't rage when we're not accommodated there. We see our normal situation is not occupation, but pilgrimage. That's exactly what we were talking about. And I think that um, there is this yearning for people to have that. And also to go along with what you're saying, Dr. Moore, I think we're going to see more people yearning to know people who are feeling that exile, like yearning to know, like, how are you okay in the midst of this? And how are you not like what we see being portrayed in media or whatever it might look like? 
Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the, I mean, we can look at the hard times over the past several years and see all of the the really negative aspects of it. And you can see a lot of friendships broken and ministries upended and, and, and so forth. But there also are all of these signs of grace of people who never would have found each other uh, if they had not gone through a mm-hmm. similar sense mm-hmm. of, of uh, homelessness. Yeah. And that's 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 what I see happening over and over again in scripture. I see that happening over and over in history. That's actually how change happens is you have a, a, a very small group of people who start to find each other mm-hmm. and uh, they, they find each other. They see they have a common view of the problem and they have a common view of of uh, at least basically where they want to go. Mm-hmm. And that changes things. I mean, that's, yeah. that's how it, that's how it happens. You guys, this book, Losing Our Religion, An Altar Call for Evangelical America by Dr. Moore that we're talking to today. It's out now. So you can get it. I highly recommend it. By the time the show airs, I will have finished the whole thing and our book club is reading it and so loving it. A uh, couple more questions. Number one, what are you reading these days? I know you're an avid reader. Well, I just uh, got back uh, from vacation and I was reading a ton of stuff uh, while I was gone. But one of the things that really was amazing to me is this novel, uh, The Singularities by John Banville. And it is a wacky uh, book and sort of a mind tripping book in in a lot of ways. So it's kind of um, multiverse uh, sort of oriented. Which you love the Marvel stuff, don't you? uh, I'm a DC, DC. sorry. Yeah. Oh, I know that's a yeah. big deal to people. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know either one of them, but I do know <laughs> it would be like someone asking someone here if they're a Texas Longhorn fan or a Texas A&M fan. So I got it. I got that's it. Right. <laughs> a DC guy. Got it. Yeah. So you kind of like those things. Yeah. 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 But this this is a um, this is a straightforward novel, by, uh, John Banville, and he uh, it, it's just, it's really interesting. And the whole point of it is is there any meaning um, or, or are our lives just random happenings <laughs> wow. or all of these coincidences that happen in our lives? Yeah. Is that, is that something? Yeah. Deep thoughts, deep thoughts. Okay. I'm going to ask you this and I didn't prep you for this. So I'm going to ask okay. you this and I know that you don't, you're not going to give us any predictions, but next year is an election year. Mm-hmm. I'm already dreading 2024, Dr. Moore. I'm like, what are we going to have to deal with? I'm not asking you predictions, but I'm asking you, what do you think we're going to be dealing with next year? We're, this is coming out in August of 2023. So we've got, you know, 14 months. Yeah. What do you think it's gonna, the landscape is going to look like? I, I think that it's not going to look like, I think, I think what a lot of people think is this is a replay of 2016 and 2020. It's, it's not going to be because, and not necessarily for good reasons. But it's because we kind of have already become numb to a lot of the craziness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people have kind of already s- sorted themselves out. I mean, somebody was saying to me one time, said, you know, uh, with with kind of how outspoken you've been on some of these things, uh, isn't it terrible when people come up and and yell at you in a church or something like that? And I said, that has never happened to me. <laughs> It has never happened to me in that sort of context. And it's because, it's not because there aren't people who would want to do that. It's because things are so sorted out that 
if somebody is willing to talk to me and be around me, it means they've already kind of made peace with all that. Right, right. You know, not necessarily yeah. they agree with it, but they're, uh, uh, okay, I'm willing to mm-hmm. to live with it so we don't mm-hmm. get it. I think that's kind of happened um, in a way that people have become numb to mm-hmm. some of the craziness. But um, I think we're... I think we're moving into perhaps some really dangerous times and, and uh, things are, things are predicting things right now is so difficult because if you just think about, there are things that if you had told yourself mm-hmm. this will happen just a year ago, yeah, you would say, oh, that, no way. that's crazy. You yeah. Know? But that's, that's the world that's we're in. we are. That's here we are. So basically, think of the most crazy thing you could ever imagine. Say it, and it might actually happen if it's the craziest thing you could imagine. Yeah, or 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 it might not happen because something crazier will. <laughs> crazier. Well, I mean, our hope is exactly everything we've just talked about, is that no matter what 2024 brings um, in our world, in America, in our personal lives, that we have a hope that cannot be put to shame. And so we have something better uh, to offer the yeah. world. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful for the work that you're doing at Christianity Today. And I'm really grateful for this book. So everyone should get it. So thanks for coming back on the happy hour. Oh, thanks for having me. I always love being with you. Okay, friends, I want to tell you one more time about our book club because the conversation that I had with Russell is such a great one that you're hearing today, but we had that conversation with just our book club members as well. And so you want to be a part of a book club. It's a it's a lot of fun. You get books early and you get access to the author as well. So go to jamieivy.com slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or look in the show notes. We'll have the link for you and check out our book club. And we'd love to have you join this month for our August book club. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell, and the show is edited by Jason Talley. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 